Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3 as we make our way through Paul's epistle to the Colossians. New life with Christ. As is Paul's manner in these epistles, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, now Colossians, he lays out the doctrine in the first half of the book, in this case, the first couple chapters, just this position, this truth, this didactic that we need as believers. And then, as is his way, it's time to apply what you've learned, what God has done for us in the person of Christ. It's not what we can do for God that counts, really. It's what he has done for us and that we can walk in to experience his life. You know, uh, so much until we learn grace, so much of our effort is is trying to, to sort of coerce God into blessing us and, you know, trying to curry his favor in some way when in reality it's just, look, what did I say? What were my final words on the cross? It is finished. Not just atonement, but everything that relates to your life and for all eternity was captured in that phrase, it is finished. He did it all for us. We just have to receive it. And so this is just a beautiful encouragement uh, for these believers in Colossae not to walk after the flesh. And let's read the first few verses here and get into our text. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members, which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them, but now you yourselves to put off all of these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. And we have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. And notice the phrase that Paul uses here at the beginning of this section. It is, with Christ. Now, as you know from, if you remember from our study in Colossians, the word if here, um, it is in, could be translated um, in view of the fact. So now that we have this doctrine laid out for us in the first couple of chapters, in view of the facts... In view of what Christ has wrought for us, in this case, more particularly, you were raised with Christ. This is the whole thought here in these first few verses, with Christ. Now, I love, you think about the word with, uh, preposition, 
um, you're in the same, you're going the same direction. Yeah, it's annoying, isn't it? <laughs> Where's the fly swatter when you need it, you know? <laughs> but let's get back to our lesson here, boy. <laughs> class, class, you know. <laughs> I know the people listening on the internet are going to think, what? Fear not, it's worth, we'll get back to here. The word with, this preposition, in the same direction. We are with Christ. You and I are going in the same direction as God. Before we came to Christ, we were not going in the same direction as God. We were going away from Him. We were alienated from Him. But now we're with Christ, going in the same direction. And it also means to possess or to have. Isn't it great that not only do we have Jesus, but more importantly, he has us. God holds us. No man is able to snatch you out of my Father's hand. None of us here should ever worry or have fear that, oh, I might lose my salvation. You don't have to worry about that. You're eternally secure in Christ. I love it. Paul here is exhorting these new believers uh, because he knows that there is going to be this great struggle within their lives. There's not one spirit-filled, born-again believer that I know of that doesn't have a battle against the flesh, that doesn't have a battle against the world. And so Paul's sort of wants to encourage them uh, to fight this daily fight, you know, because there's this war in our hearts, in our spirits. We, we're aliens here. We were alienated from God apart from Him, but now that we are reconciled to God, we are now alien here. And so it's been that, that whole flip in regards, and, and it creates a war. Our, our fallen nature is still attached to the world, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. These things are not of uh, God, they're of the world. And so there's that whole fight that we have with our flesh, with the fallen nature. And I sort of like what uh, the Greek dictionary uh, talks about this the nature uh, and the characteristics of the flesh. Or, uh, it, you know, you look it up, it just it means fleshly or carnal. And so, you know, we, we refer to someone, well, they're carnal, or that was carnal, or that was flesh. You know, you know sometimes you, you pick up this verbiage, just, you know, Christianese along the way, and we speak it, but, you know, it, we speak it among one another, but, you know, if you say something like that to an unbeliever, they're like, you know, they give you the side eye look, like, what are you talking about? They, they aren't going to understand biblical concepts, but it's important that we understand them. And so uh, the nature and characteristics of the flesh, uh, and he's talking about the material part. He's talking about the part that's attached to this world, the part that's that, that the fallen nature that's part of this whole cursed situation. And um, it, you know, if you need a reference there, that'd be First Corinthians fifteen thirty nine and Hebrews five seven, and and so being of this world and of this domain, this physical domain, it, there's, it's attracted to certain things like money. Money uh, seems to want to, you know, somehow gives us a sense of security. 
you know, if we have it, we're we're happy and we're at peace. And if we don't have it, then we're not at peace and we're not quite so happy. And so there's just that natural attachment to it. And that, and, and in reality, it's that's sort of carnal. It's going to perish with the using, as and all. Um, and then, and then on the other hand, when we're talking about the spiritual warfare that's going on, Paul talks about in in Second um, Corinthians ten about these spiritual weapons. You can't take the physical things and fight this war that's going on in your spirit, in your heart. There's a, there's a battle going on and you can't use physical things. Like I'd love to just take out a sword and stab the, the demons that torture, you know, torment me at times, you know, that attack me. Where are they? You know, you can't, you know, it's, it's in, it's in, it's in the unseen realm. And so this is sort of, uh, helps us to delineate. There's things that we can see and feel and know. And then there's things that we, they sense and, and, and discern with our spirits, and so it's important that we understand what he's talking about. And and just as a reminder, we don't really need a reminder, probably, but our disposition is to sin. That's our default action: is to sin and to do wrong and to be self-centered and selfish. And so, but being with Christ and in our new life with Him, we learn uh, to put that off. And so. Um, you know, there's a whole list of those lusts and passions in Galatians five, nineteen through twenty four, and First John two sixteen sort of gives us those characteristics of the flesh, and uh, it can enslave us. Even as believers, you can become enslaved to the appetites of your flesh, what your uh, sin nature and what your body craves or wants and desires you can it can enslave you and then of course it's good to know this and this is hard for a lot of people who are sort of given to self-righteousness it's hard to believe that there's nothing good in me the only good that there is in me is what god has done through his spirit in, in the new man and that and that's really how we should see ourselves and and that's the encouragement from scripture anyway so um so when we refer to things uh, being of the flesh, um, we're, we're talking about things that really belong to the unsaved life. The B.C. days, before we came to Christ and we acted um, in, in, a, in selfish ways without really having a way of governing that. Uh, we were enslaved to it. But I don't know about you, but I'm sure thankful for what Jesus did giving us the power. Not only did he forgive our sins, but he canceled the power of sin in the flesh over my spirit. I have now, can now walk in the victory. And how does that happen? Well, he, he brings us, he, he lays it out here. You were raised with Christ. Since you were raised with Christ. And view the fact that you were raised with him, which means uh, in verse 3, because you died with him. You can't be raised with Christ unless you died with him. So, in effect, uh, we, we we go back to the, some basic thoughts and establish uh, a good groundwork of where we're at here. In Adam, all people die. And for those who receive Christ, in, in Christ we all live. And we sort of have these two, you know, he talks about this in, in uh, Corinthians a lot, that we have this, this federal head thing that's sort of the way it's God set it up. All of us are descendants from Adam. And because of that, we he died, we died in him. That's why we have a fallen nature. That's why we fight 
the flesh. But now that we're, we have a new federal head in Jesus, and because he lives, we live. And all, and all we, we get the benefits of, of our federal head. So if Jesus died, we died with him. And if Jesus rose from the dead, we rise with him. So this is why we have this thing of, uh, this concept, and it's very pronounced in, in, in the Gospels anyway, the kingdom of God is, it is here, it is present, but not yet. And so this is, we died with Christ, but we have not yet been raised with Christ in, into the final uh, totality of what we're going to be. So there's, it's, it's here, it's a reality, but not yet in its complete form. So th- it can be kind of confusing when you think about that. But we have to, we're to act as though it's an accomplished fact. We're to believe as though it is an accomplished fact. That is very important for us. And so, number one, raised with Christ in view of the fact of what Jesus did after his resurrection. So what did Jesus do after he was raised from the dead? Well, first of all, he left the tomb. (laughs) And that's symbolic of what you and I should do. Leave the old life behind. Don't drag that dead man around anymore. Just leave the tomb. Secondly, he spent time ministering to his disciples. What does that mean for us? It means we're to serve one another. That's why he spent time with them. He said, look, you know, we're sort of heading into something new here. The relationship that you're going to have with me is different than it was before. I'm not going to be here, you know, moment by moment anymore. You're going to walk by faith, but you have a helper. You have the Holy Spirit. So he spent time ministering to the disciples, and so we should serve one another. And then he lived in the supernatural. And then you look at the disciples after, after they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they begin to minister, they lived in the supernatural. Miracles and incredible things should be a regular, normal way of living for the Christian. Now you think, well, wait a minute. Now I'm not saying there's a miracle every day, but I'm saying we should be living in that supernatural sense uh, as Christ did. And as the early church did. And then the other thing that you can't miss when you read through the book of Acts or even in Paul's epistles, the great anticipation they had of heaven. You know, Jesus rose from the dead and he says, I'm, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to send to my father. There's an anticipation for the believer now of going to heaven. I don't know about you, but I, I think about heaven a lot. I read books about heaven. I think it's, you know, if you're going to take, I like the way um, in... Uh, the book Heaven, um, what's his name again? Randy Elkhorn's book. He he does a great job. That's quite the textbook, by the way. I think every Christian library ought to have that in there. It's just a 20-year study. Uh, it's in the back library by the, if you want to check it out, by the way. Um, but you, it's a, it's a, I'm going to warn you, it's a... It's a it's a it's a a long read because you'll put it down and you'll think. <laughs> that's always the best kind of book anyway, right? It's the kind of book that you read and you put it down and you think. That's always the best kind of book you want to read. But he makes this comment in that book that, you know, when we plan a family vacation, we first of all decide where we're going uh, and then we figure out What's available there? What kind of venues can I go to? You know, what do I want to do during that time? And I sort of dial in on certain things and I plan accordingly. Now, how many people think, well, I'm going to go to heaven, but they have no idea what heaven's like. 
They don't even, well, you know, I'm just going to go there. That's all in God's hands. <clears throat> well, yeah, I'm, we're pretty sure it is. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's all in God's hands. But the Bible does have a lot of information. Oh, well, we really can't know. I don't believe that. Read through Revelation and let your imagination run wild. And so I think we should think a lot about heaven. That's where we're going to spend a lot more time than we here are. Oh, here on earth. So uh, raised with Christ. And then, so now we get into the day-to-day activity. And this is important here. Seek those things which are above. So the idea of seeking things implies there's, that there's something hidden. Like tonight, I um, <clears throat> I came in here, I had my jacket on, and I, um, you know, set it off and then I realized I needed something out of the, out of the truck that I'd forgotten and so I had already put on the headset and it's got this little thing that's missing tonight that little foam pad that keeps for that kind of thing for wind <laughs> and I lost it came you know apparently when I put the jacket on or when I was you know it rubbed it and so I was outside looking. It was hidden from me. It's hidden. It's still hidden. That's why it's not on here. And so I, I, I'm seeking it because it's, it's, it's not here. It's not where, but I know it's there. I know it's somewhere. And this, this is sort of what we do with things of God. We know it's there. God said it was. But I, you know, I can't just, well, forget it. I'll just go buy another one. That's not how it works with spiritual things. It's already there. You're not going to buy it anywhere else. It's already been paid for. You just seek it. It's hidden, and and it's not something that he's going to withhold from us, but he wants us to want it. Isn't that important? Yes. What What does seeking show when I was looking for that? It means I want that. I want that back. I want that. I need that. So seeking shows that we really desire it. You know, let's think about the husband-wife relationship. You know, we love our mate. We love marriage. We, we love one another. And so we, we want to be with one another, this whole thing. And so there's certain things that we do to seek out that relationship. And then secondly, the second thing we're to do daily is to set our mind on things. And... What does that mean? Well, if you know what, if you ever worked with glue, you ever worked with concrete, you know, or epoxy is a good illustration, you know, component A, component B, and to separate, no problem. Time is not an issue. Put A and B together, you have time pressure, and you better use it or you're going to lose it, right? And so... Uh, but once those two are put together, it forms a bond. And so uh, there should be that whole idea of setting our mind. There should be that bond between us and the Lord that we are fixed on Him. It's a wonderful place to be. Whatever I, that, That's really what worship is. I've set my mind on God. And that... And and I love this statement because I think it's true. I'm so heavenly minded. I'm I'm a lot of earthly good. Some people like to you know sort of criticize people that think about Jesus and pray a lot or or whatever. And then people can be obnoxious because they might be displaying that for some kind of attention, some 
I don't know, to meet some psychological need for, I don't know, whatever. And, and they're just young. They just need to grow. But it doesn't take away from what what they're doing doesn't what they're doing doesn't make it wrong it's it's the right thing to do you just keep it on the inside <laughs> you know inner thoughts outer thoughts they should be inner thoughts it's between you and god that that personal relationship uh set your mind on things above because i think the more heavenly minded the more we're like god the more we're with christ in our thoughts and our concerns the more think about the things that jesus did he was drawn to the poor he was drawn to the weak you know john says if if all the things that he did were would have been recorded and put into a book form that the libraries of the world would not be able to contain all the things that jesus did and you're so you're 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 a servant you help people and serve people and so this is kind of the idea uh when it's done in the right way and then he he gives us uh why because we are with christ because we died with him that's so important. Verse 3, we sort of hit on this. Uh, you died and your life is hidden with him. Now think about dead. What does that really mean? Oh, of course, we know the scriptural definition of, of dead or death is separation. So in Christ, what happened? And this is positionally what happened to us for all believers there's no difference everybody's on the same plane they know the ground at the cross is level we're all on the same plane in this regard we were separated from the penalty of sin god isn't going to punish us for the crimes that we've committed against him or one another we are forgiven god's made atonement through christ we're separated then as i mentioned earlier from the power of sin Sin no longer has power over me. This is the mind game. This is where the mind game begins. The battle of the mind. Well, I'm always going to be a slave to this habit. There's just no way I can overcome this. That's a lie. That's not true. Now, we all have propensities and weaknesses in certain areas, and it feels that way. But the truth of the matter is we can have victory because of what it says here. And I think part of that is because maybe we're not seeking Maybe we're not setting our mind on what God has done. They're connected there. But positionally, we've been separated from the penalty, separated from the power of sin, and then actually separated from the world. How many dead people do you have conversation with now? My brother passed away this summer. I no longer can talk to him. I miss him. I think about him often. But he's dead. He's in heaven, and and I'm not there, so I can't really have a conversation with him. So that really should be the the, situ- the sort of how we view the world. I'm dead to the world, its influences. But, you know, unfortunately for our culture, <laughs> we're surrounded by television. <laughs> we're surrounded by advertisers who want to appeal to all the things that are in the world. Somehow those things in the world will bring us satisfaction. Well, they might for a, a short time, but as soon as the novelty wears off, and you know where that, how, where that goes. But in reality, we're dead to that. We don't have to be a, drawn away uh, by the world, because we're dead to it. And so, this is what we're to do. Since we were died with Christ, now what does that mean? We are hidden. In verse 3. The word hidden is a neat little concept. It's crypto has nothing to do with cryptocurrency, but it's crypto. I think it's 
the idea of crypto is you're protected, you're kept. I think maybe that's what they're after is that this is, you know, this is protected currency. This is secure. You know, that's kind of the idea behind that, I suppose. Um, but in Christ, we are protected and kept. He's like the shield that covers us. And this is a wonderful war hidden by him because we've died with him. We're buried with him. And so then he contrasts that with what's going to happen in verse 4. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will appear. So you see the contrast. We're hidden now. And so much of what is going on in our hearts, nobody else can see. We really don't know who the true, well, we kind of know, but not completely, who the true believers are and who the false believers are. We really can't tell if people are truly pretentious or phony deep down. We, we, you know, and that's really not our call anyway. It, that's not our place. But that's what Jesus said would be in the church. There would be this mixture of, of wheat and the tares and the people who, who say things, but it's not really there. We, but that's not, again, that's not our, our call at all. Uh, so there's things that are hidden on this side of heaven. But when Christ comes, when he appears again, and, and what's coming, no one's going to stop. What is coming? When Jesus decides that, and the Father has decided in his time to return, nothing is going to stop what's coming. And when that, what that means for you and me is we're going to be with him. I love the way John says this, 1 John chapter 3. Brethren, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we're going to be like him, for we shall see him as he is. When he appears, there's going to be this amazing transformation you know, I think that's tied in with those who, you know, First Thessalonians 4, we which are alive and remain, we will be caught up. There's going to be that if we're alive at the time of the rapture, we're going to have that complete metamorphosis take place just at the moment, the twinkling of an eye. How fast is the twinkle of your eye? Oh, wait, I need to go back and get something. No, <laughs> it's over at that point, right? So anyway, that's just a beautiful contrast they're hidden with christ but we're going to appear verse five gives us now uh, paul's idea of what our responsibility is to employ these truths there are certain things that i must do there are certain things that you must do and verse five says put to death your members those areas of the flesh they're attracted to the world, propensities to do wrong and, and, and turn our backs on God and other people, whatever, we're to put to death, make dead. And then, you know, fornication, that'd be sexual uncleanness, and then uncleanness of just just mind and heart. Anything that's, that's not pure would fit under that ca- category of uncleanness. Passion, evil desire, covetousness and the idea there is just incestuous greed i just i just insidiously need that and i and my mind is consumed with accumulation of things and this is uh crossing the line uh as far as god is concerned but we're to put that to death separate ourselves from we have the power to do that now because we're, we're we were we died with christ the penalty forgiven the power canceled. And so that's our job. Verse 6, and you know, God's going to judge people for 
That's how he judges the sons of disobedience. Verse 7, just we can have mercy upon people that are caught up in that. Because why? We were once in that realm. We were once caught in that grip of flesh. And then he goes on. Now, those are the outward things. Those are the, those are the behaviors that everybody can see. Those are the physical things like, oh, wow, that's, ooh, that's, he really crossed the line there. We can see those offenses. Now, verse 8 are the ones that are on the inside. We can hide these. We can't hide them from God. And we can deceive ourselves and think they're really not issues with us. But they can be, and so often they are. Verse 8, put off these things, anger. I'm not mad. I'm just fuming on the inside. <laughs> Some of us have a, more of a problem with anger than others. We don't like our rights being violated. We don't like being disrespected. There are certain trigger points or buttons that in your being that if they are pushed just right, <laughs> you lose it. It might be that fellow that is missed his opportunity to be a NASCAR driver and he cuts right in front of you. And that might be something that triggers you. I've never had that problem. <laughs> my, nose just, my nose just grew grow, grew a little bit there. <laughs> but there's certain things that, that push our buttons. And so we have to deal with it. Should not control me. Wrath. And that's taking that anger as... You're not, you need to deal with it right then. And if you don't, it's going to grow, and that becomes wrath. It's just an ex, sort of an accelerated, exaggerated form of anger. You know, you're just really coming out at this point. It's on display, actually. And then malice. You know, just the guy offended me, so I'm going to, you know, verbally rip him a new one, right? You know, that's just speaking evil of someone else. And blasphemy and filthy language. You probably don't need things against God, things against other people. There's two different levels there. There's the the ungodly expression of things and then the unrighteous expression of things, the filthy language. So put off those things. Those are things that are, come from the inner attitude of a man. And then that's, so this is what he's talking about in verse 9. Um, of course, this is something that Oh, I would never tell a lie. Verse 9, do not lie. Well, there's this little light lie. <laughs> I don't know who categorized, whoever come up with that little phrase, like, like trying to relieve some of the tension there. I'm not sure what was after, what was behind that whole thing, but we get it. It's like, it wasn't like a bald-faced lie. It was just a, a little one. <laughs> it, it doesn't really matter from God's perspective, does it? It's either right or it's wrong. It's light or dark. It's not... There's no in-between, and we're to uh, be honest with one another, transparent. And that's one of the hardest things when you get caught and you get exposed. Uh, now everybody knows. Well, <laughs> we're all capable of our problems. We're all uh, aware of those things. And But God help us to be honest and have that integrity in that direction. But put off the old man. So if you're not feeding it and strengthening it, 
you're going to be able to handle a lot better. You know, a lot of people that have, they seem to have a lot of self-control. Um, there's a key to that. The key isn't that, oh, wow, they can just really withstand those temptations. What they what happens is is it's the preventative maintenance, so to speak. If you have a propensity towards something that's wrong, your best way to overcome that is to stay away from that whole area. Like, okay, let's just use the area of, of drinking. Now, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of want to be a recabite, if you know what that's all about in, in Jeremiah. I had a, a party background, so I, I don't want to go there. And, you know, especially being, you know, a minister, you would want to stumble someone who totally does, has that. But there are Christians who have the liberty to drink uh, some alcoholic beverages. And I, I'm not going to judge anyone. That's between them and the Lord and, and all. Um, but we have to be, you know, careful in, in these areas when it comes to exercising certain liberties. I guess <laughs> the bondage that can come opening these doors into these areas um, and they can grab a hold of you and take you into a, a pit if you're not careful. And so the way to overcome those temp, temp if you've got a weakness in that area is, you know, don't go to a bar, <laughs> don't go to a place, or don't buy it. Don't don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to be tempted uh, to go into that area. And so that's how self control is exercised a lot. You just you you head it off way before you get to that, because if you get into the battle of it, you're you're probably going to lose. That's just how weak the flesh is. But if you can avoid that confrontation with that temptation you're much better off and so uh, this is why you know there's been studies in regards to um, like in Vietnam a a number of the guys got hooked on cocaine and drugs and some of the things that were readily available over there and they were you know obviously their lives were uh, a total train wreck but a lot of the guys that uh, soldiers that did were addicted over there when they came home they they were able to deal with it now contrast that to the, those who are in the domestic area that lived here and got addicted on cocaine and they go and get cleaned up dried out and straightened out what happens is they'll the ones that fall back into it failed to change their lifestyle and so they just fell right back into the same ditch because they didn't change their environmental situation that led to it. Whereas the guys that came back from the war, that they were totally removed from that situation that had burned these habits within their minds. They've got a new environment. And so this is how we overcome so much of these things that we're talking about here. Change your environment. Don't continue to do the same thing. You know, Set yourself up for victory. Know yourself. Know your propensities. And then steer yourself clear of those things uh, that are going to uh, pull you down. And so that's really how you put off the old man, in a, in a way, by bring, uh, bringing it uh, to the Lord and, and, and sort of forming a plan. And then, and then that's, you know, of course, that's the negative. Like, who wants to talk about that? Not really nobody, right? Verse 10 is put on the new man. This is really, if we concentrate on the do's, 
you won't have time for the don'ts. And that's I like being busy because it keeps me, I say this to people, it keeps me out of trouble. And this is really true. If you're busy doing what you know you're supposed to be doing, you avoid a lot of dumb things and, and mistakes that you would otherwise fall prey to. You just get yourself focused on the right path and stay busy at it and you'll be free from a lot. You'll develop, burn new paths in your brain and your habitual things will be good habits. And this is what he's talking about here. Put on the new man. It's renewed in knowledge. You know, I don't, if I sit there and focus on my mistakes and my sins and my habits and my all that, I'm just going to be a train wreck mentally. But if I'm focused on things above and I'm seeking things above, it's going to be a whole lot easier to to walk in the new man. But you've got to keep feeding your spirit, renewed in knowledge. That's what he's talking about here. Allow the Holy Spirit to apply the word of God to your mind. And I love what Jesus said to his disciples right before he left. You are clean through the word. There's no better cleansing agent for the human soul and spirit than the word of God. Psalm 119, verse 8, How shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed to God's word. You hide God's word in your heart, and it's going to change your life. And so, that's how Paul ends this section here. And look, there's no difference between, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Greek. It doesn't matter if you had a bad upbringing and you're a barbarian, like I was. Imagine if you're a religious person. You still got to do, everybody's got to do the same thing. Everybody's got the same responsibility. There's no exceptions. Pastors got to do what non-pastors have to do. Elders have to do what deacons have to do. I mean, it's, we're all in the same uh, school here. And so may God help us. Father, we thank you for your word. Where would we be without it? Without it, your, your instruction and how we should live, and how to put off this problem of our fallen nature that drags us down so often, more than we desire, more than we want it to happen, Lord. We would love to be free from it all, and one day we will. And we're just thankful that you've given us everything that we need that pertains to living right before you. So help us, Lord, to take advantage of these tremendous resources that your spirit is provided. Thank you, Jesus, that we can have new life with you. And that's what we want, Lord. We just want to be with you. We want your life flowing in our spirits and through our lives. So help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.